Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome to The Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and across the table for one last time. Ever? Well, not ever. For this summer. (laughs) I have Pastor Rick Whitmer. Rick. (sighs) Hey. Hey, stop now. Stop now. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, man. Been a good summer. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been all right. Yeah. <laughs> Super good. Yeah. Yeah. John's back. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's not here in the studio. No, but, but he is back. He's in the church office and we had like a 2-hour conversation this morning and us, you, me. John. Yeah, I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were there. Yeah. Maybe not mentally, but not, you were, No, definitely not that. You were there physically. Yes, I was. Yeah, it's good to have him back in the office. Yeah. And, yeah. He seems rested. He does. Looking forward to seeing, yeah, just hearing more about how God was working in his heart and mind this summer. And Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, I think he's going to be on next week and we're going to discuss some of his sabbatical and yeah. what he did and didn't do. Um, Plant some questions. Yeah. I, we'll see. We, I, that is true. We, should, we is, shall see. We will see. We will see. Whatever you do is what shall be. Yeah. Yeah. How did uh, how did you think this, this summer went quote. for you? Yeah. <laughs> for did you. Did you see that movie? No. Proposal? Oh. Um, yes. Summer was well, good. No. We enjoyed the summer. No, I have seen you that dad. movie. Okay. I just don't know it well enough to Whatever you remember do is what it. shall be. I, God was kind. The summer was... Um, I didn't really know fully what to expect with John being gone. Because we each do a lot of work, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, um, but just as things went along, I felt like things in the church generally, I know it, there were some, there were some really hard things a lot of people went through this summer. Sure. And yet in the midst of that, I really felt like the church ministered to one another and yeah. showed up for one another and loved one another well. Um, I was some weeks got more study time than others, but I, ultimately I, I really felt like there was good time set aside for that and got in a groove and yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thankful to the Lord. Yeah. I thought it went, I thought it went well. I did. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did. I, Except I, I, for that song we didn't get to do that. I yeah. To do. Yeah. Well, we don't need to talk about that. So. Was it a U2 song? No. I think so. Hello. <laughs> We can't, we can't start here. This is, we can't start here on this final. I do not have my phone in the studio. That's true. That's true. But Rick, today is our hundredth podcast. No, it's not. Yeah. One zero zero. Ever? We've done this a hundred times. Wow. And it's a hundred times too many. (laughs) This was your idea. So all those too many times is on you. Yeah. But congratulations. Yeah, we made it. For sticking it out. We made it. Yeah. So, um, I guess the, the question for you is, what's been your favorite podcast over the last hundred podcasts? This one. Well, I'm anticipating always it's going to be a good one. It's always the one we're doing. Yeah. But there hasn't been like one that stood out above the rest. Well, there was that, to remember that time, um, you might not remember this, but that we interviewed John MacArthur. No. That was kind of a highlight. That was a good one. Um, we talked about elections last year and in a biblical view of 
um, mm-hmm. government and civic engagement. Yeah. That one I think was a was one of my favorites because that's that's an area of Christian you know, worldview. I was looking at our plays from from all of our podcasts. That was the second most played podcast. And then the John MacArthur one was third. Yes. And this one was the first. Yeah. Exactly. MacArthur was the most, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Was it really that was the second most played one? Yeah, I think I saw like 193 maybe. Wow. Something in there. I mean, I only listened to it 150 times. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah I figured. <laughs> we had 43 other people. <laughs> no, that's really cool. Yeah. I bet you now... No, nah, I'm not going to get into it. Looking back? <laughs> no, get into it, please. No, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, we've had some... We've had some... I have some questions for evangelicals for Biden. Yeah. How's that working out for you? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I went there. But anyways, yeah. what was one of your favorites? What were some of your highlights? Um I thought um so interviewing Bob Coughlin was pretty fun. And you you went out of state for that. Well, not not for the not for the interview. No, you I, went out of state for the interview, but you got a, you tagged a conference onto it, yes, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's how it went. Yeah, so that that was neat just because we got to spend some time before the podcast just hanging out and talking in our hotel room. Um, so That's really cool. Just just being able to talk with him, you know, 25 minutes before the podcast even started, just about ministry. And, hmm. um, so that was, that was fun interviewing him. And then uh, another podcast that I really enjoyed was um, interviewing Tim Kazee. Oh, yeah. Um, from Frontline from front Missions. Frontline Missions. Yeah. Um, he he was very very gracious. Another guy that you know, a couple minutes before and after the interview, just mm. just talking with him was very humble and gracious, and you know, hearing his heart for for missions across the world, and um, that was really cool. That was a good interview. Um, yeah, we've had so many subjects; it's kind of hard to think through specifically what what has stood out above the rest. But yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. That's cool. Hopefully it's been helpful. I don't know. I, I've heard, I mean, there's, from the people I've talked to, people often will come up and share about how much they've appreciated the podcast or like, I think people... Your wife doesn't count though. ...are enjoying it. <laughs> Wait, back that truck up. What did you just say <laughs> to me? My wife doesn't count? Well, when she's the only one that's saying it, I mean, <laughs> does that does that still count? No, a person's I hear you. a person, I... <laughs> no matter how beautiful, yes. no matter how married to me they are. Yes, and I appreciate your your feedback, Jen. It's it's been wonderful. So she doesn't listen unless I send it to her. Yeah, <laughs> my wife is the same way. She feels that way about all my perspectives. Yeah, unless I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's been. I've. I've. Is Katie still listening to the podcast? You know, I've. I've given up on that train. You know, there it, was like a glimmer of hope. There was a glimmer. At she some point she listened to a couple podcasts. I don't know if she's still listening. I think after the number of times that, you know, your daughter that your daughter made it on here. Yeah. I think she was like, I'm offended. Yeah. 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 But we haven't talked about Millie since Katie stopped listening. Because I think we've given up hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Millie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, church, we hope that this podcast, the 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 podcast as a whole, has been encouraging uh, to you over these last hundred 
episodes. Episodes. We're, we got to go with 900 more episodes and then we can have... Are we doing a, a thousand, thousand episodes for a thousand years of the millennial reign? Is that what we're going for? We could. Okay, let's reevaluate it when we get there. We could. It's going to be a few years. It's going to be a few years. Um, we'll be an underground church by then. Yes, we will. We certainly will. Rick, uh, you talked about hypocrisy today. Or today. Sunday. I called you a hypocrite today, but I talked about hypocrisy and giving on yeah. Sunday. And I, my first question for the podcast, as you read, was... Why, Rick, are you such a hypocrite? <laughs> but we'll just we'll skip that question because I'm sinful. It's good. Next, uh, but yeah, you, you. And then what? On what? On what am I a hypocrite? Well, do you want me to start listing things off? Yeah, <laughs> I'm calling your bluff. Um, do you have Do you have Matthew six one through four in front of you? I have the whole Bible in front of me. Well. Oh, I am open to Matthew 6, 1 through 4, because I thought... No, but I've got notes on the Texas Receptus. Uh, Do you you see those? I do. Very small, small print. Can you read... Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So I've had plenty of conversations with people um, about about worship and uh, our, our emotions during worship. And I've heard numerous times that if I raise my hands... Um, I, I feel like I'm being a hypocrite because people are behind me and it, it seems like I'm just making a scene or I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bringing the focus on myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Um, and I've had, I've had those struggles myself of like, I feel like I'm just making a show when I'm not trying to make a show. Sure. So my question for you is how do we know when our motives are pure, when we're not, when we're not acting hypocritically, when we're actually doing things if, out of righteousness sake, simply out of righteousness oh man um you you mean like in worship in particular not not necessarily worship was just an example sure was an example of what i was thinking just in 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 our day-to-day christian life how do we know when our acts are are pure and they're not not hypocritical okay so let's take the hand raising for an example like in worship so i'm so i'm a hand raiser right you you see that sometimes you are um but less than I used to be, and sometimes I think about that in corporate worship. And I think one of the ways that I think about it, if and not that I'm sitting here evaluating every time I, I raise my hands, because I don't. Um, sometimes you, I mean, the idea is it's supposed to be an authentic expression of your love and devotion to God yeah. and your response to Him. And most of the time, um, you probably won't be sitting here making a calculated judgment. Sometimes I feel like I I'm compelled to raise my hands, but then I'll think, or hopefully more, the Holy Spirit will be prompting me that, you know, in my own worship, Mm -hmm. am I worshiping with the same fervency? So is there Mm -hmm. a major discrepancy between how you worship or whatever you're doing, fill in the blank, before others versus in your own 
life. Sure. Because if if in the privacy of you and only the Lord, um, in your heart or wherever, because and I know we're not talking about specific subjects, but so worship, for example, if you're never fervent in your prayer life is flat or you're not praying, but then you show up to church and you're raising your hands and you're really just, oh, you're feeling it. The question is, are you? Yeah. Because there seems to be enough of a discrepancy to where you could reasonably ask the question, I, how authentic is this? Because if it was authentic, um, there would probably be more authenticity yeah. when I'm by myself. Sure. But here's where things get complicated. You remember what John Calvin said about the heart? Yes. What do you say? It's a factory full of idols. Factory full of idols. We are churning idols out yeah. constantly. Yeah. So much so that we can't even begin to fathom how idolatrous we are. Which means that whatever else is going on in anything that we're doing with a pure motive, um, there's a really good chance that there's corruption involved. Yeah. That we're not even registering. Yeah. So there is a real sense in which we really will never know the depth of our motives to the fullest extent, but God does. Mm -hmm. But here's the good thing. The blood of Jesus covers away. uh, It covers all our sins. And even in our purest, um, and and this is what the reformers thought, you know, that in our purest acts, there's corruption. Mm -hmm. But I kind of think about it in terms of what the Apostle John says in First John 1, 9, when he says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from only those things we've confessed. It's not what the text says. Yeah. Textus receptus or otherwise. It's not what any text says. No, <laughs> it, uh, it says he, he is, we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, mm-hmm. including the stuff that we're not aware of. When we come to God for mercy, he gives it in full measure, pressed down and running over. I think he does that with our motives too. But as far as evaluating, I'd say, look for consistency. Is this a pattern of consistency in our lives? Or am I one thing in different settings that I'm not in another? I think that's probably one of the biggest indicators. Sure. And then we should probably pray about it. Because he who searches hearts and minds can reveal to us when we're being hypocritical. Mm Mm-hmm. But if we're not opening ourselves up to examine ourselves with him in the light of his word, then we may not know. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple thoughts. So I know there's been times for me where I have, um, say there's a need and my natural instinct is just kind of just to go do it. Right. Like something comes up, you just go do it. You don't think anything of it. Right. Once you finish that, these thoughts of like, did I, did I do this for the sake of being seen? Did I do X, Y, and Z so that I would be praised or otherwise? What do you do with, with thoughts like that? Where, where I think out of, out of just, you, you do it out of response Mm -hmm. and there was no ill intention for it, but afterwards you're, you're thinking, and I don't know, maybe I'm the only person who thinks this way. You're not. Um, what do you, what do you do with those that were, were after your, the deed is done, you've, you've helped out, you've, you've been generous. Um, and you have these, these thoughts seeping in of saying, Oh, you you just did that out of trying to please people. How do you, how do you engage that? Well, we can, we always confess what 
we become aware of that was sinful. Yeah. Right? So I'd say when we're aware of it, that we have a corrupt motive to acknowledge it before the Lord, ask him for grace to have pure motives. And uh, one way to get ahead of it is, I think, you know, this idea that, uh, uh, what does Paul say there in first, I think it's in first Timothy, when he's talking about God giving us gifts to enjoy. Because um, Paul was dealing with, uh, in Ephesus, there were false teachers who were insisting on, I think, asceticism and things like that. Um, oh, there to do good. Maybe it was in chapter five. I'm sorry. I didn't have this passage uh, on my uh, on my docket. Actually, I didn't have anything on my docket. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah. Uh, when he talks about, I can't, I'm having trouble finding it. When he talks about God gives us all good things to enjoy and they're, they're sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Yeah. This idea that we go through mundane life and we can, you know, it's like the story of the two bricklayers. Two guys are laying bricks. Both of them are doing the same job. Someone asks one guy, why are you doing? And, and he says, um, I'm laying bricks. And he says to the other guy, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a cathedral. They're doing the same job. Mm-hmm. They're, but they're in a sense, they're not doing the same job. Mm-hmm. One is, he sees the motive and, the, and the, the purpose for which he's doing what he's doing, which is the glory of God in worship. The other guy is just laying bricks. Mm-hmm. We land on both sides sometimes, depending on the day or even the act. And so we can we can be thinking about sanctifying something to the Lord beforehand, which is the idea of living in the presence of God. So if we would get in the habit of lifting up our activities to God in prayer, that's the difference between eating to sustain, you know, eating because we're hungry versus eating to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So we can train ourselves to adopt a motive ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then we end up getting into that situation of retroflective, you know, sure, less and less. Sure, sure. Yeah. And sometimes we just never know. Sometimes we just don't know what our motive was or is, in which case we need to stop and go, you know, I'm going to, Lord, have mercy on me where I've got my motives corrupt. Give me grace to choose this motive for your glory and help me to do it. Yeah. For that reason. Yeah. And he gives more grace. So when Jesus is talking about giving to the needy in this passage here in Matthew 6, what does that entail? Is he talking? Is he talking just giving financially to the needy? Is I mean, what what does that all? Um, this encompass? idea of alms giving really is anything that you would do to assist somebody in need. It's anything. It could be uh, an action. It would definitely include money. Um, it could include meeting another need, um, such as bringing food. So basically the idea is if there's somebody with a genuine need or someone who's a needy or poor person and you meet that need, that's what Jesus has in mind. So, <laughs> so I, I guess... Um, were you, did you have a moment... Well, I was, <laughs> I was thinking about 
where what that means for us as Christians. Yeah. Um, so the picture that that Christ gives in in this is is going and giving money, right, and making a big scene. Sure, making yeah. a big scene of of doing that. Um, I guess how can how can our motives be impure uh, if we're doing the right thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's an example. Uh, I need to comfort my conscience so i'll go give okay think about it in terms of prayer have you ever this is definitely happened to me yeah i should have had my quiet time this morning i'm gonna go pray for 10 minutes so that i can feel better yeah good thing to pray crummy reason to do it yeah yeah so we can give in order to to ease our consciences and then you know put some capital in the spiritual bank as it were yeah and then move forward with you know and not give another thought to what jesus would actually have us do in true righteousness yeah yeah because jesus is always after the heart remember that was kind of the thing that we kept going back to in matthew 5 the pharisees were doing this external righteousness but they really misunderstood the point of the whole law Mm -hmm. god was after their hearts Mm -hmm. and in the new covenant the promise is a new heart and a new spirit I will put in them. Yeah. And they will delight to walk in my ways. Yeah. So that's, I guess, another barometer is, is, is our delight in pleasing the Lord and obeying him? Or are we doing it begrudgingly? I think generally we know the difference. Sure. Sure. So, um, so, you know, we've, you've been to funerals, I've been to funerals where, um, so-and-so is going to be in heaven because they, they were good. Oh yeah. There was, you know, they did good things. They weren't troublemakers. They didn't go to jail. They didn't do all this stuff. So, so they're going to be in heaven. How, how would we engage, I guess, a culture where doing good deeds doesn't actually get you to heaven? Do you, I mean, do you call them out and say, no, you're being a hypocrite. That doesn't, doesn't work that way. Don't do that at the funeral. Yeah. (laughs) Don't stand up and they're like, hey, he was a good guy. He gave a lot to the poor, and, and now he's receiving his reward yeah. in heaven. Yeah. Don't, st- don't be the guy who stands up and says, whoa, he found another way. Yeah. He never found another way into heaven because I, I never read about that one right. in the Bible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, you, you, you touched on this on Sunday, this, this idea of justification by faith alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you, how do you engage that? with a culture that is, is a do good culture. Right. Well, it's becoming easier because we are less and less good. Yeah. <laughs> Look around. Right. People are getting uh, a lot. Yeah. They're showing their sinful colors a lot more yeah. and they're glorying in it. Um, being a tongue in cheek here, but it's kind of in a sense true. Yeah. But, um, you can ask someone, you can ask kind of what are called undermining questions. Undermining questions get underneath a question, you know, a statement. So if someone says, I'm going to, you know, I, I, I'm trying, I'm going to heaven. I think, I think I'll be there because I'm pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Questions. Say, what kind of good, what kind of good things do you do that, that you think God's going to receive you into heaven for? That might open the door to go, well, you know, now that I think about it, I'm really not that good. 
okay, well, that's a win, you know, for a conversation about the right. gospel. Right. Or they might say, well, you know, I don't, uh, I don't cheat on my taxes. Um, I try not to cuss. Um, and then, and then you can ask, so has, has being good given you a clean conscience or do you ever have things that really bug your conscience? And, uh, you know, who's an expert at this type of thing is, um, Ray Comfort, actually, hmm. you know, watching his, his interviews and I'm not saying that his style of evangelism is the best, but I'm saying there's a guy who goes for it and yeah. he has, he gets there quick, yeah. quickly with people yeah. and he does it by, you know, most people are familiar with the 10 commandments. You say, well, which commandments have you broken? Have you ever, <laughs> you ever looked at a woman lustfully in your heart? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm alive, right? It's like, yeah, Jesus says that's adultery. Yeah. Okay, so you've broken that one. Have you ever stolen anything, no matter how small? Okay, so, yeah, well, what do you call people who steal? Uh, thief. Okay. You ever lied? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like this week. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so you're a thieving, lying adulterer. Yeah. Um, so do you think that God is going to receive you into heaven? You know, when you put it in those terms, yeah. you know, this is a pretty quick way to get to some deep stuff. Right. And people who are honest will go... Well, when you put it like that, I guess I'm not that good at of a person. Yeah. I think that's a completely legitimate yeah. string of questions. And you can be a lot more, especially if you have a friendship with the person. Sure. A lot more, you know, you can be more winsome, I suppose. Sure. Not, not that Ray Comfort's not winsome, but he's doing street evangelism cold yeah. Yeah. with a camera. Yeah. But you get the point. Right. Yeah. So... When hypocrisy crops up in the church, and you know, for instance, when I see you being a hypocrite, um, <laughs> I was, was going to say it crops up in the church every day we walk yeah, into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like, so we know somebody that is is doing stuff Monday through Saturday, shows up to church on Sunday, is giving, is is making a big scene. I mean. How do we how do we approach that person without without you know the idea of you know, I feel like a hypocrite engaging this person because I know my own sins I know my own failures you know who am I to go talk to so and so because of what I'm seeing in their life right see what I'm saying uh -huh. how 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 do we work through those things so I'm not sure like what that would look like necessarily week to week. So I think a lot of people, I don't see a lot of people making a big show in worship that I would, that draws attention to themselves. And it may just be the style of our worship. Sure. Which is always the best style. The best. Um, I just want to go on record having said that. Yeah. Thank He's you. He's the best. He's the um, best. But when we do have friends, and these are, it's probably going to be someone you know, where there's enough of a discrepancy, you can, you can just ask the question, not in an accusatory way. Um, but in an exploratory way, um, you, could I ask you a question about where you're coming from on a couple things? Cause it doesn't make sense to me, but I want to, I genuinely am curious to know your perspective on this. Mm -hmm. You know, you've said that X, Y, Z is important to you. And I've also noticed that this seems, this is an area where it seems like it's a struggle mm -hmm. and maybe over here, I wouldn't necessarily know that, that you valued those things. What, what are the things that, how have you been thinking through that? Because if you ask someone, can you help me understand X, Y, Z, what you're not saying is, hey, how come you, yeah. finger pointed, 
are doing this. Sure. You know? Sure. I think if we approach it those kind of ways without conclusions drawn first, because the one thing we don't want to do is um, prejudge someone's heart. Sure. Sure. I don't want my heart prejudged, and I want to love my neighbor as myself. You know, treat someone the way you want to be treated. It's a, the golden rule right there yeah. in Matthew 7. Yeah. So we can just go about it that way. Yeah. So ha, f- bringing it back to me now. I know this this podcast is about me. 100, 100, 100 um, episodes worth. Yeah. <laughs> but so for me, it can be difficult to, to okay, I know... I know this person's struggling with this, um, but I I don't feel like I'm good enough to go talk. Sure, that's a very real thing. I I'm I'm not good enough to do this. Yeah, Rick, you go do it because you're super. Safe. I'm super good enough. You are super good enough. Um, how do you how do you combat that thinking within the church? Nike, Nike, just do it. Just do it. I don't um. You know, there's something to get the log out of your own eye, right? Jesus says that in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And it, so if it's it's if it's a flagrant thing of, you know, a hypocrite who's not dealing with their own stuff, going to another person who's not dealing with their stuff, that's, that's when we run into trouble. Mm-hmm. Other times, and this is maybe more often, I hope, a brother or sister who's genuinely drawing near to the Lord, who's actively fighting their own sin, however imperfectly, because it will always be imperfectly, and then going to another person and confronting them gently, they get the accusation, yeah, who are you? You know, you're you're not perfect. And th- those are the kinds where you're like, okay, this is a smokescreen. Church discipline, which is what going to another brother in sin and gently confronting is. Yeah. That's never predicated on one party being perfect. It's always a case of one sinner going to another yeah. in the context of Christ is Lord of, of us, and we are both of us in need of his grace. That's always what it is. So the best thing we can do is being keeping short accounts with God and with others in our own lives. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... And then sometimes people will just get mad and leave. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Jesus is Lord of His church, and He determines who stays and goes. We, but we can't determine whether to go to someone based on what how they might respond. Sure. So we do put ourselves on the line in doing that kind of a thing. Yeah. But when it's in obedience, it's pleasing to the Lord. However, it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it, that's helpful for, for you know people like me where. It, like if we're keeping short accounts with with God, um, we will understand that it's it's um, it's not by my power, right? It's not by my by my ability to change people's hearts. Mm-hmm. It's by Christ working through me. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's that's really good. Keeping short accounts, being humble, not accusatory. Yeah, I think all those things you said were accurate. Yeah, you don't want to walk up to the person and be like, hey, can you help me understand? What gives you the right? <laughs> who, who do you think you are? Who do you think you Why are? Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> who, who do you think you are? 
Yeah, Rick. Hey, thanks, man. It's been a good summer. Hmm. You did. <laughs> you did. You tired? I'm a little bit done? tired. I told you what you would happen if we did this in the afternoon. <laughs> Coffee's already worn off. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, good job for you too. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time this summer. And now we're diving into the Gospel of Mark. Mark. Right. Marcus. No, nope, just Mark. <laughs> John Mark. John Mark. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a good study. Mm-hmm. It'll be a good study. Repent and believe in the gospel. Yeah. Church, we look forward to being with you this Sunday as our new service times begin, 8.15, 9.45 Sunday seminars. Yeah. And 10.45 second service. Uh, I highly recommend being at the adult Sunday seminar where Rick, Whitmer, and Lyon... And Tim Yeager mm-hmm. will be teaching through missions. Missions. Global missions. Global missions. Missions 101. You know it. Yeah. I wish I could attend. Oh, you're going to be teaching a different seminar? Yeah. For whom? The students. Oh, what are you teaching? Uh, a little book called Acts. That's a big book. Kind of on missions. It kind of is. Kind of. Kind of like a chronicle of missions. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. That works. So, yeah. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you this Sunday. Have a wonderful day.